One of the number one reasons I find most brands fail is because they run out of money. Like I would think that's probably the number one thing that I see. And I'll have people that come to me and they say, okay, this is my budget, right? And we work together to put together that budgeting plan. But if they don't come to me in the very beginning, they've already spent some money, it's going to kind of be hard now because their budget has been reduced. Hello, and welcome to the Optimized Store Owners Show, a podcast that helps frustrated store owners become optimized store owners. We are your hosts, Aaron and Christian. We want to invite you to join us each week as we share tips, tactics, and strategies from the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the e-commerce industry. This podcast will help you add flexibility, stability, and happiness into your life. Ready? Let's go. Hey, y'all. I hope you are having a great day. I am uh, really, really excited about sharing this episode with you for for many reasons. But because uh, Christine has a wealth of knowledge, 20 plus years of knowledge in the fashion arena from everything from starting brands herself to working in the, the Devil Wears Parada type of life to the consulting side of things and working with several types of brands as they started from startup stage to multi-million uh, dollar years. So this episode is value-packed. You're going to learn these three things and more. Number one, what you actually need to put into place to quit your job if you're thinking about quitting your job and taking your fashion business, your clothing store online. Number two, what you need to do to figure out how much of a social following you need to take you to that next level and actually generate revenue. And then lastly, probably the most important here, how you can use what <laughs> what Christine calls the K factor, right? Which is the Kardashians. We won't, we don't dive too much into the Kardashians here, but the point is how can you build a brand to sell anything and how do you market something, right? Without having to sell something and use, a, use your marketing to build a brand that will then generate actual sales. We dive into this and so much more. Uh, there's a ton of nuggets in this podcast episode. I hope you guys enjoy. Christine, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, it's so great to be here. Thank you, Aaron, so much for inviting me. Absolutely. So, so we met um, through a mutual friend-ish uh, in the business world, and then got connected. And uh, this was a, I think, a really fun synergistic type of uh, relationship that I think we're going to be able to share a lot of people with. So, I'm super excited to have you on here and really dive deep into um, your expertise. So, before I do you a disservice here and 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 misquote or anything like that. Tell tell me a little bit uh, and everybody else listening, what is a little bit of your background and we'll dive into all of this, but tell us a little bit of your background and then uh, where you started, where you're at right now. And then we'll spend the rest of the time just kind of deep diving deeper into like tactics and what you kind of see for the future. Yeah, definitely. So I have been in the fashion industry now for over 20 years. Don't try to guess my wow. age. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, 32. It's a long time, people. Uh, yes, 20 years. And I've kind of been involved in all aspects. I started, I went to FIT, studied design, uh, graduated, got a job right away, worked my, up, my way up to head designer by the age of 24, then VP of design and merchandising all before the age of 30. So I had a lot of success. And then even while I was on the design side, I still did a lot of stuff backstage with New York Fashion Week and traveling overseas to different manufacturers and doing photo shoots and video shoots and all that kind of stuff. So I had a lot of, I had my hands in a lot of different areas of the industry. Um, got to design for celebrities um, who had lines on for QVC and different things. 
So had a lot of experience, loved what I did, hated the industry. <laughs> I hated the whole like Devil Wears Prada nonsense that goes on. That movie is totally real. Every hmm. boss that I had pretty much was like that. And so I just couldn't take it anymore. I just didn't agree with the whole backstabbing, cutthroat, push everybody down to get ahead type mentality. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to leave. I'm going to start my own line. And I actually had a lot of success with my own line. I started out, I sold out of my first retail store in less than two weeks. We had one garment that you could wear multiple ways and we made it in a bunch of different prints. And I literally sold a hundred pieces of that one garment my very first month, which is not normal, I would think in this industry, um, not running ads or anything else. And so people started coming to me, asked me if I could help them start a line. And I started to realize this is my true calling, my true passion. I really love helping other people succeed. I really love coaching people and just watching them fulfill their dreams and their calling. So I kind of switched gears, decided to start my consulting business, Fashion Angel Warrior. And that's what we do. We're a fashion business consulting agency. We work with both startup and established designers, helping them every step of the way. We offer coaching. We offer courses. We have manufacturing tours that we do New York City, LA, Miami, and also virtually. And then we just launched last year. I'm super excited about this. The very first only intimate mastermind high-level group coaching program for fashion brands that even exists. So I'm super, super excited about that. That is awesome. Wow. I didn't know the, I didn't know the background of, uh, the fashion week type stuff. And that's good to know. I love that movie, but I definitely would not want to be living in that (laughs) world. (laughs) Okay. So let's take a a step back from that for, um, a second. So whenever you're saying you're working with established brands, are most of them like starting their own individual lines um, and like trying to bring that product to life? What's, what is the typical storyline for these people? Is it, you know, they, they had an idea came into their head and they're working somewhere corporately and then wanted to bring it to life that way. Or what's, I would say people come to us from all walks of life. We get, you know, the people that are students, maybe they go to a fashion school, they've graduated and they're like, Hey, I don't want to work for somebody else. I just want to have my own line. We get people that have been working in some sort of corporate job. You know, maybe their parents kind of told them like, you can't be a designer. You're not going to make any money in that. Right. And they got a different job being an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor or something else. Right. And now they're kind of realizing they're miserable. They have this creative side. It's not being used properly and they really want to start a line. So they're kind of doing on the side while they have their full-time job. We have people Mm -hmm. that are moms and they're like, hey, I want to start something on the side while I'm raising my kids. And then we've got um, older people that, you know, have been doing something for a really long time and they're like, it's time for a career change. So we kind of have people from all walks of life that come to us. I would say the main common thread is that they're trying to start something small, usually like they're not like out of the gate, like I want to be the next Walmart or I want to be the next, you know, these huge conglomerate type of brands. Um, I want to be the next Nike, right? They're like, let's just start off a small fitness line and see where it goes kind of thing. Okay. And are most of them selling online or did they open up a brick and mortar? Selling online definitely is the number one. Some of them still do want to do like the old school sell to retail stores and boutiques and trade shows and showrooms and that sort of thing. But pretty much everyone today, especially after COVID, realizes the importance of selling online. Yes. Okay. And then walk me through like what you do with them. So like they say, I want to make this line come to life. They come to you and you're basically like this is the roadmap or what, what happens whenever they find you uh, yeah. and they 
need you? That's a great question. I feel like in the beginning, it's a lot of retraining their brain <laughs> to <laughs> think about things in a different way. Everyone seems to want to focus on, I need to manufacture my product. I need to find a manufacturer. And that's usually their number one concern when they come to me. And we kind of teach a different approach. So our method is what I like to call the no product fashion line method, meaning you can market a line without actually having the product, without actually having the line ready to go. And that's a little bit of the difference between marketing and sales, right? In order to sell you a product, I actually have to have a physical product because you're giving me money and I'm giving you something in return, right? But to market a product, I'm not selling you anything. I'm just marketing it, right? So to market a product, you don't actually need the product because you're marketing the lifestyle, you're marketing, uh, maybe you're involved with some kind of charity or sustainability or something, right? There's something that your target customer is probably interested in that you can talk about ahead of time via social media, email marketing, all those channels, right? That you can start to kind of market the product before you actually have the mark, before you actually have the product. So a lot of it is kind of retraining their brains to think of the first step is not finding a manufacturer. Yes, eventually you need to find a manufacturer, but that shouldn't be your focus from day one. Your focus should be, how am I going to market this thing? And do people even want it, right? Like, is this a saleable, feasible, viable product that people are actually going to pay money for? And how much are they going to pay for, for it, right? And is that reasonable, what you're thinking of charging? And can you make a profit off of that, et cetera? Okay, walk us. I want to go deeper onto that. Yeah. Walk us through how do I how do I go about marketing this? Like, what's step one? I'm coming to you right now, and I want to do. Let's say, for example, I want to do a hoodie line. This just happens to have our name on it. Nobody can see it, but <laughs> this happens to to be a hoodie line. How would you go about marketing this hoodie for this brand, or like, or it could be dresses for a boutique. Doesn't matter. Yeah. But like, what's what's step one for that? Yeah. So fitness brand is probably the easiest example that I can give you. Right. So people that are lovers of fitness, right? That's your target customer, right? They want to wear fitness, usually like to go to the gym, they usually like to be healthy, right? So you can start talking about anything and everything that has to do with health and fitness, starting from what they should be eating, different diet plans, different workout plans, you know, all of the things that go along with how many hours of sleep you should be getting every day and the latest, greatest new trend in the keto diet world or whatever it is, right, that your target customer would be into. That's what you want to talk about because you really want to start to build like a community or an audience around this idea because then it'll be easier for you to sell to them later, right? It's kind of like when you go on Instagram and you look at someone's profile and it's all pictures of their product and they have like a very um, uh, black or white background, right? Very plain background, no lifestyle images. It's just all product, product, product. It's like, it kind of screams like, buy me, buy me, buy me, like, Clearly, yes, they're a fashion brand. Clearly, they're selling you product, but that's all they have to offer, right? They're not providing education mm -hmm. or entertainment or any kind of sense of community, right? So are you really going to follow that brand if you've never heard of them before, if you've never worn their product before, right? Like, what's going to make you want to follow that brand, right? Versus the reverse, you see this, this Instagram page and they have pictures of what to eat and they have pictures of their workout routine and they have pictures of the latest gym that just opened up in their area or whatever else is going on in the fitness world, right? That pertains to their target customer. I might follow their brand. And then maybe once I like what they're offering and what they're talking about, yeah, eventually I might want to buy their product, right? It's kind mm -hmm. of what I call the K factor. If you are familiar with the Kardashians, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yes, yes. it's the age old question, right? Which came first? Did they start their beauty line makeup line first? Or did they become famous first? 
Yeah. They became the famous. First. Sure. Yeah. Because once you're famous, you can sell people anything. Kim Kardashian could go tomorrow and say, hey, I'm starting my donut line. It's going to have a big fat K on it. And everyone goes out and buys it. Those donuts are not any better. Those donuts are no. not going to be, you know, the next best thing in the world. But because they have a K on it and Kim Kardashian's promoting it, people are going to buy it. Right. And so you want to kind of do the same thing with your brand. And it doesn't have to be you yourself that's famous. If you don't want to be the face of your brand, that's totally fine. But your brand essentially needs to become famous. Interesting. Okay. So do you have, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Do you have like uh, brands that are not the Kardashians that you guys um, kind of say, okay, go check out these people on Instagram or these people on TikTok or whatever. Like they're doing, a, they're embodying some examples of like what we would suggest. And maybe, it, like I said, it doesn't have to be the Kardashians, but I just didn't know if you guys had any that you look at too. Or oh, like examples of brands that you could mm-hmm. look at. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. <laughs> like I said, totally put, you, totally put you on the spot. I understand. Yeah. I mean, a lot of my clients are doing really well with it. Um, you know, we can talk about even like, um, you know, Santi Grace. I know you're familiar with them too. They're a client of yours. Um, you know, I think she does a really good job of talking about different things that promote plus size women, right? Things that women who are plus size, either the pain points, right. Or the problems that they face or just interactions that people, uh, things that people will say to them that they're making fun of it. Right. And kind of making light of it and, she, she does a really good job with the like entertainment side of it, I would say, yeah. of kind of drawing that in. And then also the community of it, right? You want to feel like you're not the only one that wears a 3X or whatever size, right? And that you're part of this bigger community where everyone is similar to you. Yeah. So is there a certain point, like uh, whenever people are talking to you, they're like, I want to make $5,000 a month or I want to make $100,000 per month. Like what range do people usually say that, that whenever they're starting out, they want to get to and then... Is there a correlation between the amount of followers that you say to try to get to? I don't know if you suggest that or not, but like a certain amount of followers to basically justify the brand makes sense to move forward. And you could probably pull out the numbers you're looking for as a goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the the main goal, the the strategy that we take and the main goal most of our clients have and what we hope to to fulfill in our services is to help the brand have a six-figure launch, right? So their cool. very first year, they're making six figures. It's not easy to do, um, especially if no. you're not doing ads and you have a small budget. And of course, everything depends on, right, budget, your expertise, right? If you have a marketing background, great. Now you don't have to hire a marketing person that saves you money, blah, 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 right? So there's a lot of things that depend on, uh, there's a lot of variables, I should say, that matter when it comes to how successful your brand is. But the goal is to have everyone have a six-figure first year or six figure launch, I should say, right? They don't have to make the six figures in their first, you know, one month or something, but within the first year, right? Because you have a lot of costs usually and you want to recoup those costs. Um, Over time, I would say everyone's goal is to reach a million dollars. That's usually the number that everyone (laughs) seems to want to hit. I would love to have my brands have a million dollars in profit, not just revenue. Um, I think way too many people focus on revenue numbers And I've worked with so many brands where you look on the outside, they have beautiful website, beautiful product. They're making $500,000 in sales, but they got $600,000 in expenses. I don't want that business. I don't want a negative in the red business. You know what I mean? So profitable to me, I'd rather have you make less money, but still be profitable than, oh my gosh, we have this huge following and we've got beautiful website and all this great fancy stuff. And people think we're doing great, but really internally we're not doing so great. Right. So I'm definitely more of a profit first type person. Same. And it's also, I think a little bit more stressful. 
Um, so going to your point about profit, I was actually, I think that's a good segue to whenever you are working with somebody, let's say for example, they, they build up a following, they, they realize that they can have profit there. There's a need in their marketplace for it. Where do you try to aim for cost of goods? Like, can you break down like maybe percentages of like what they should be spending on certain areas in their business to be, to be successful there? Yeah. So general rule of thumb, if you're selling online direct to consumer, your margins should be anywhere from 65 to 70%. That's a good range in order to make sure that you're going to make a profit, right? Now, some brands can't hit that right away because they might be just starting out and they don't have as much sales. And so maybe they're only cutting 50 units of a style instead of 500 units of a style. And because they're only cutting 50, the price to make that is going to be much higher than if they were cutting 500, right? So their profit Mm -hmm. margin might be a little bit less in the beginning. But over time, you want to know where you're going to break even and where you're going to be able to hit that 65 to 75 to 70% margins. Um, A lot of people get confused too between markup and margin. So just always make sure you're you're clear about like, it's the margin number that you're looking at, because those two numbers are definitely totally different. Um, and then if you're selling wholesale to stores and buyers, that avenue, you want to have the 50% margin rule. Got it. And so the, the wholesale side of things, so there's a lot of people who listen who are, or their own boutique owners too. So I want to clarify for them that your 60 to 70% suggestion for, um, for owning the own product margins at that point, not the markup is because they'll have the actual product whenever it becomes like a boutique, what you're saying for the wholesale, that's where like the boutique would technically buy from that individual brand. And they want to be able to do the markup from there in the 50% part. Exactly. Cause they're going to mark it up on top of what they're buying it from you from. Yes. Yes. And this is specifically for small brands, right? If you are a large corporate brand and you're selling hundreds of thousands of units, your margins are going to be like 10%, like very, very low, right? So these are for small brands just starting out that are looking to do, you know, 50 units of a style, 200 units of a style, 500 units of a style. We're not talking about like 20,000 t-shirts, like Walmart or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, definitely good clarification. And I like that you differentiated between the margin and the prop, like the mark of, because that is a conversation we hear a lot where it's like, no, I mark it up two and a half times. So it's like, well, what's the actual margin yes. though from that? Yeah. So the markup of two and a half times, that's like 250% could only be a 50% margin. I'm just throwing these numbers out there. I don't know exactly what it is, but you know what right. I'm saying? It, those two numbers don't correlate. So make sure you, you follow the margin rule properly. Um, and then going back to your other question, I just realized we didn't get a chance to touch on it of like, gauging how many followers they should have on social media or are there certain stats we've actually created a revenue calculator i don't think honestly anything like this exists and i would love for someone to prove me wrong but i've yet to find a a spreadsheet that exists like this where basically all you have to do is plug in your social media following your email list and your traffic to your website along with your average order value and we've already pre-calculated the average conversion rates for those three things and you'll be able to figure out, okay, how much money am I making every single month? And then at the bottom of the 12 months, it will calculate for you, like, how much can you afford to pay yourself out of that total revenue, right? Because you might make $250,000 for the year, but you can only really take 60000 for your revenue, right? For, for your salary, I mean. 
out of that 250000 because there's operating costs and other people that you're paying and et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm. And so then it will show you, like, can I walk away from my full-time job? Because I think a lot of people come to me, it is just a hobby right now or it is something that they're just doing on the side, but they eventually really want to walk away from their full-time job, but they can't do that until they replace their full-time salary, right? So they need to see, when am I going to actually hit that mark where I can leave my nine-to-five job and really do this full-time? That's awesome. And is that available like on your guys' site as like a, a standalone thing or is it just like for only program type members like who are? Yeah. So it's only available for clients. You can, however, get it if you sign up for our fashion uh, business foundation course, which is the first course of our fashion startup intensive program that is actually part of that class one, uh, which is offered as a standalone course if anyone wanted, did want to take it on the website. Hey, so owners, are you ready to grow and scale your online business predictably and profitably? We've created a free 15-minute training that will walk you through the five key areas every online store needs to achieve financial success. You can grab the free training by going to optimizestoreownercom forward slash ecom dash training or clicking the link below in the podcast description. Again, that is optimizedstoreownercom forward slash ecom dash training. Okay. Yeah. We'll definitely link that up. That's, I mean, to me, that's extremely valuable because it's like it, we're in January recording this right now, but depending on when anybody's listening to it, no matter what your goal is, if you, you have to set a goal, but sometimes it's hard to figure out what that number is. You just, Hey, as long as I make 250,000, it replaces my salary. And then you, like you said, it's like, well, no, you really need to make 500,000 to replace your salary because of X, Y, and Z. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. Okay. That's cool. I'm, I'm glad somebody, uh, I've never heard of that before. Honestly, I've created a lot of calculators, but nothing like that. And that is extremely valuable because it's the number that they actually care about too, which is, I think the most important thing. Yes. Um, okay. So they, they come to you, they get, they get us, uh, a marketing plan in place. They figure out their profit margins at that point. What kind of obstacles or things are they running into that are stopping people from hitting their ultimate goal of like that six figure year? I think there's a lot of things. I mean, uh, one of the number one reasons I find most brands fail is because they run out of money. Like I would think that's probably the number one thing that I see. And I'll have people that come to me and they say, okay, this is my budget, right? And we work together to put together that budgeting plan. But if they don't come to me in the very beginning, they've already started trying to do things on their own. They've made a lot of mistakes. They've already spent some money it's going to kind of be hard now because their budget has been reduced, right? Because they've spent a lot of money already and they might've spent it in the wrong way or in the wrong direction. Um, And then on the flip side, we have people that are like, oh, money's not an issue. You know, it's not a problem. And then somehow along the way we reach like $250,000 in expenses and they're like, I don't have any more money. And I'm like, what do you mean? You said money was never an issue, right? So I think really talking about money and money is a very difficult topic for people to talk about, but really being realistic from the very beginning and kind of talking about what is a realistic budget? How much are you willing to put in before you even need to see a return? Because you might not be profitable your very first year. You might have great sales, but you may not be profitable right away. It might take two or three years. Like fashion is not an easy business necessarily, right? Mm. Like I think only two to 5% of fashion brands make it. So that's, you know, 95 to 98 percent that don't make it right so yeah everyone seems to want to do it which is great it's a it's a very it can be very fun but just like any business right it has to make money right the goal has to be to make money at the end of the day and for me to be profitable not just to have sales but to actually have profit on those sales 
Um, so yeah, I, I think that's like the number one mistake I think that a lot of people make or, or reasons that they fail, I would say, is that they literally just run out of money and don't have a clear plan from the beginning. So that's like one of the first things that we put together is what is your budget and what can you expect to spend, right, on these different areas? And some of that takes into consideration what's their background. Did they go to fashion school? Can they maybe make their first patterns and their first samples by themselves? They don't need to hire a development company to do those things. Um, do they have a marketing background, right? Can they do SEO on their own website? They don't need to outsource the SEO, right? And just being re being realistic with what can you do? And even if you have to learn, right, we can teach you how to do all these things in our coaching and courses, but are you willing? Are you willing to actually learn and put in the time and effort and do all of this stuff? Or are you not? Because if you're not, don't even start. It's not even, it's not even worth it. You have to have that drive and determination to really succeed in this industry. Yeah, I was gonna say it seems like you said it's the the devil wears Prada is a good example, but it's also it's cutthroat in the business world as as its own. Yes. Um, yes. So, what would you say? And I don't want. I mean, sometimes it's difficult to throw out numbers. Maybe we can do a range of like if somebody's starting their own line and they and they again they want to do a six figure launch in the next twelve months. Like, what's a you know ballpark realistic budget? Do they need two thousand dollars or do they need ten thousand dollars or like? You know, what's realistic um, for them for, you know, everything. And you can throw out some assumptions yeah. that you would make with it. But yeah, I don't know. I would say like 50 to 80,000 would be a good range. Um, you have to consider, right, if you want to make 65 to 70% margin on your product, your COGS, your cost of goods sold is going to be that other 35, 30 to 35%, right? So there's mm -hmm. a physical cost to making the product that then you're going to sell, right? So even to have enough product to sell to make six figures, right? You need to back into that, right? How much is it going to cost to make that product? Um, you know, and if you know what you're doing, if you have a good manufacturer, you know, you understand CMT costs and different things, you can get a, a relatively good price for your product. And that way your margins are, are feasible and you're able to hit them. So I would say, yeah, like anywhere from probably 50 to 80,000 if you wanted to hit, let's say at least a hundred thousand in sales. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a great example of, um, uh, kind of the range just to people to get into. Cause I, I just, like I said, I gave the example 2000 knowing that that was extremely low, yeah, yeah. but I also just, I, people are listening. I just didn't want them to think that, you know, if you set aside, you know, some shoebox money, money here and try to turn it into a six figure company, like it, it's going to take some capital exactly. from this. Exactly. Now, that's not to say we don't work with people that say they have only a $5,000 or $10,000 budget, but the conversation is very different. And the direction that I guide them in is totally different than trying to reach $100,000 your very first year. Okay. So if they had the kind of budget, let's answer that question. What's, yeah. What would you What would you suggest to somebody? They had five or $10,000 and they still want to do this. Yeah, it was yeah, their yeah. dream. What so is, what number does it one, like? don't make your own product. Like, Number one, there's already so much product out there that other people are making that you could just buy and resell, right? Got it. And put mm -hmm. your brand on it. So become a boutique, right? You're an online clothing boutique. Everything that's carried on your online store is not your own product. You're just purchasing other people's products and reselling it, right? So that would be the easiest, like low cost way to kind of get started. And then all your time and effort can really be focused on the marketing and selling side of it, right? Because you're not actually physically creating product. You're just buying other people's product. Mm. Very good. Yeah, I was going to say, and that's one of those questions where like, I, I feel like uh, right now you may have seen it for yourself as I, I'm talking to more and more people who are getting away from um, 
like having a lot of the, the I would say the risk on their end. They want to go to the drop shipping type model. Yes. I'm not necessarily a, a fan of that, but they're just like, this is the best way for me to get into the market. So I say, okay, get into the market and then probably get away from it as quickly as possible. But what's your perception or perspective rather on, on drop shipping as a whole anyway? Yeah. Drop shipping can be tricky. I've seen a lot of people try to do it and they end up with horrible product. Like you're buying stuff off of Alibaba and it's coming from China and you order on the website and you have a green dress and then it ships to your customer and it's an orange dress, right? Like really, really bad, mm. horrible mistakes. And you don't want to be attached to something like that, right? That's going to tarnish your brand name or ruin your reputation in the industry. Um, so I don't necessarily like it in the sense where you don't even see the physical product, right? You're just kind of the middleman that's they're shipping it for you, right? And it's being dropped right off to your customer um, because right. you don't know the quality. You don't know, you know, how good it can be and how bad it can be and that sort of thing. So yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. But regardless, even if you try to try to do drop shipping or you're going to resell or you're going to have your own product, at the end of the day, you still have to have a website and get people and traffic to that website, right? So that's still going to be your number one concern. And if you don't have enough people, you're not going to have enough sales. It's just a numbers game. Yeah. So what would you, uh, do you guys, uh, what would you say, I guess, is a, I just got several ideas going in my head. What is the... Uh, I know. What is the best way for you guys to drive traffic or do you guys suggest to drive traffic to somebody? Just if they if every option is available, do you what's your approach to to telling them to get enough traffic to the site? Yeah, it can be, you know, different answer depending on different people, right? And what their brand is all about. One person I might say, "Oh, TikTok's going to be amazing for you. You need to focus on TikTok and only TikTok. Don't do anything else." Or Somebody else, mm. I might say, you know, social media is not going to be that great for you. Focus on email marketing, SMS marketing, and SEO or something, right? I think at the end of the day, like my approach to digital marketing and selling online is kind of very holistic. I like to treat it like just like you were going to lose weight, right? Like, yeah, you could go to the gym, but if you're going to eat pizza and wings all the time, you're probably not going to lose mm -hmm. as much weight, right? But if you go to the gym, you eat right. healthy, you get enough sleep, you're not stressed out. Right. All of these factors take into consideration, you know, how effective you're going to be at losing weight. So it's kind of like the same thing with digital marketing. Like the more you can do of all the different areas, email, SMS, SEO, PR, celebs, influencer marketing, social media, right? All of it, blogging, all of it as a whole, right? And kind of taking the holistic approach, the better I think you're going to be in general. And sometimes it's nice to kind of do all the things in the beginning, or maybe not all of them, because it might be kind of crazy for you, but a lot of them, right, in the beginning to kind of see what's going to work for your target customer. You might think that, oh, everyone's going to love me on TikTok, I'm going to do really well. And then you start to realize, nope, nobody's really following you over there. And Instagram is better for you or whatever the case may be, right? So it's kind of nice to not put all your your eggs in one basket to start and kind of do a little bit of everything to kind of see what's going to really work for you. Because I have some brands, they don't do any social media. They don't do any social media. They're making a million dollars. Like you, mm -hmm. it can be done, right? Of course, everyone, I think, automatically thinks social media. Like the first thing they think out of their mouth, if they have an online business, they have to be on social. And while I do recommend being on social, it's not always 100% necessary. Right. Interesting. So 
do you um do you have anything as like a as far as like side hustles or anything like that for you now um or do you, is the consulting literally 100% on this I feel like it'd be difficult to kind of do both but I'm just yes. curious if you had uh had thought about doing any of that or if you do have anything no going like I do the consulting 100% a lot of people still ask me you know why did I give up my line and why don't why don't, don't do my line on the side it's a lot to have one business let alone two Plus, I, you know, had two kids during the last seven Ooh. years that I started my business. So, yeah, between motherhood and having a business, that's enough for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, the motherhood is a full-time job yes. for, for anybody. Yes. That is, yeah. Um, okay, so I'm just kind of talking out loud here. So they, they come to you because they need help with bringing this line come to life. They get marketing help. You've basically put them into a plan for a six figure year. You also put them into like a, a way that they can vision out or make a vision of how to be profitable, how to quit their job. And then they're just kind of off to the races. So do you, is, would you consider this like a, this is like a launch pad to get their brand going. And then after that, they start to hire people internally to like, you know, help out with more mock-ups and just kind of grow what's already been established there. Or um, is there anything after you kind of get them to that six figure year? Um, or is it like a, all right, now that you've grown up, like leave the nest kind of thing or what is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we do mainly focus, or I should say we used to mainly focus with startups. And so our main program, it's our hybrid group coaching program called the fashion startup intensive basically walks you through, right? Having that first six figure year. Once you get to that point, you know, and then the program consists of coaching calls, courses, a community group where you can ask questions unlimited. Uh, Once you get to that point, then you would graduate into what's called our SOAR mastermind program, which is really for only high level, you know, established brands, brands that have been doing it for at least two or three years that are making over six figures. Um, A lot of our brands, even this round are doing, you know, anywhere from 500,000 to over a million in sales. So just to give you like an idea And that's where we work together one-on-one for six months straight in a very intimate, there's only eight brands in the program. We cap it off um, and we really, really work together. And you're not only getting coaching from me, but we're bringing in outside coaches and experts, you know, people like you, Aaron, to come on and speak about Facebook ads and Instagram ads and that sort of thing. Um, People come on and speak about SEO and then also the mindset side of things. Like people don't realize, last week we had a call on money mindset. People don't realize that you might have a set thermostat, like a set cap at how much money you can make based on your childhood upbringing or something that was said to you at some point in your life, right? Like there's certain things that are going on in our subconscious that we're not even aware of that could be limiting what our potential is. So we talk about mindset as well inside that program. And the goal of that program is to really increase their confidence and conversions to soar to new heights. And a lot of our brands have even doubled their revenue in six months, which, which is amazing. Just literally switching that brain. Wow. That's, I mean, that's, uh, that is music to my ears too. And I highly encourage anybody to go check that out for the mindset part of it as well. Cause I think that's a piece that is missing that a lot of people don't talk about on the internet, which is, yeah, the, I think some people call claim it as the, the woo woo, but yes, they're, they're, yes. it, it, if whatever, uh, my point is that everybody I know who has changed their mindset with their business has been way more successful than those who just like go for the tactics. And like, I think Christine, you've given a ton of actionable advice here, but like the mindset has to change for that actionable advice to make sense for yes, people yes. too. It's you need to have a balance of the right mindset, right, plus the strategy. Like I'm a very strategic coach. I wouldn't call myself a mindset coach, but I also understand the importance of mindset. And so I'll bring on other coaches that are experts in money mindset or fear or, 
you know, confidence or boundaries, right? All these different topics that can really prevent us from reaching the levels that we want to reach. Definitely. Where is the best place for people to find about, find out about these programs, anything that's coming up? What, what, um, just share with us here and I'll make sure everything is linked in the, in the show notes for everybody. Yeah. So the best place would be to go to fashionangelwarrior.com slash bit branding. We'll have our free masterclass on there, information about our manufacturing tours. We have one coming up in LA, February 24th. So anybody that wants to fly out to LA or is in LA, um, it's a really great time to hang out with us for the entire day and meet manufacturers. And we'll have information about the Fashion Startup Intensive Program and our SOAR Mastermind Program on there as well. Very cool. Christine, thank you so much. This was incredibly valuable. We'll definitely have you back again. Awesome. It's been great being here. Thank you so much, Aaron. That's a wrap. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram stories at BitBraining and let us know what you thought about this episode. And next, make sure to leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people and continue to improve the podcast for you. All right, guys, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week.